And that was kind of that moment where I was like, all right, Neely is still a runner. Neely is still a competitive runner and we're going to get back to it. Um, and so that was kind of my whole goal was like, okay, I'm just going to rebuild. I'm going to take as long as it takes to rebuild um, and not rush or force anything. I feel like trust the process has just, you know, kind of gone with me and transcended through all these different phases of life that I've had. Um, I, I just want to see what I can do with what I can do um, in the preparation for it. Uh, and that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. And uh, it's exciting and that's fun. And, uh, you know, it's uh, something that, you know, I feel very um, excited about day to day. And I also have a lot of other things that are going really well for me day to day. And so there's not just like, okay, well, if running flops, like, I have nothing. Um, I have so much. Um, and so I don't get like overly concerned or stressed about if I have like one bad run or a bad workout or, you know, skip a long run or something. Cause it's like, oh, well, just do it next week. It's fine. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 103 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Meet Neely Gracie four-time Olympic trials qualifier, top American at the 2016 Boston Marathon, and the 11th American female ever to break 70 minutes in the half marathon. Neely's fresh off her ninth-place finish at CIM, the USATF championship race, where she rocked a sizzling 230.29 PR. That's 5.43 per mile, peeps. Neely opened up about not being able to run during her first pregnancy. Losing her identity as a runner, going from one of the top distance runners in the country to no one for years, despite being sponsored and feeling a pressure to return to a high level. It was a rough phase from 2017 to 2020, but feels she's a better person on the other side, ultimately feeling her body needed that break and has completely reframed her relationship with running and her approach to training and racing. Themes, topics, reframing her identity and relationship with running evolving her approach and mindset to training and racing, husband and wife coaching dynamics and partnership with her husband, Dylan, and a funny story from the Indie Monumental Half, how coaching helps inspire her to keep chasing big goals as a runner, coach, and mother, mantras, you're right where you're meant to be, and her overall mantra, trust the process. Her new book, Breakthrough Women's Running, Dream Big and Train Smart, sharing her experience from both an athlete and coach perspective together to provide a roadmap to women runners who are chasing big goals. Big inspo and so many great takeaways. Look forward to following Neely's amazing journey as a runner, coach, and author. Let's dive on in and take a listen. Neely Gracie, welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you? I'm doing really well. It's Christmas week, so, you know, we have the kids home and it's been a lot of chaos and a lot of joy and a lot of um, me staying up late to work because that's the only time I have available. 
That's it. Mom duties never end. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So hopefully I'm like, you know, with it enough to have a, a decent conversation. Um, I try, I have some kombucha here that's going to give me some energy to get through. That's going to help you make it, right? Oh, I love it. And you guys are in Boulder. So the mount, the mountains, what better place for Christmas than in Colorado in the mountains? I mean, it, it feels like Christmas all the time out there, right? You know, it's been a weird week. Um, we don't have any snow. We had two snows in November, but none so far in December here on the plains. Up in the mountains are very snowy. Um, but we actually had a wildfire yesterday, which is a little bit of a bummer and a little bit of deja vu from last year when we had the fires, you know, sweep through Boulder County and we lost over a thousand homes and everything. So we're really hoping it would be nice to get some snow <laughs> for Christmas and uh, it would be really helpful um, for our moisture down here and put everyone's nerves at ease. Yeah, that's got to be very stressful, super stressful. And your two boys are young and Athens and Rome, I love the name. So Athens is four and Rome is one. So mom's got her hands full. Dad's got her hands full. You guys are got to be really busy with Christmas coming up, especially with a, with a one-year-old in tow, right? Yes. Um we had, I, I would say, you know, the level of chaos is pretty high um, at our home at the moment. Um, but it's also, you know, hands are full, hearts are full. Um, it's it's definitely, I keep reminding myself that this these are the good old days and these special times with the kids um, are hard to get back. So uh, we were trying to really fully embrace all of the like stuff that you do for Christmas because the last two years it's been COVID times and we didn't really do anything, um, you know, special for Christmas or any of the typical Christmas stuff. And then before that Athens was only one. Um, so it's kind of fun that this is like the first year that we're really getting to do stuff. So, um, you know, we're really making the most of it, um, but we have a very full schedule with all of the the opportunities that we have for Christmas celebration. Oh, I I guarantee your schedule is is every moment is accounted for between your running coaching business, your own running. Uh, you got the two two and tow. Uh, did, now, do you do the stroller miles? Do you guys get stroller miles? Does one like it more than the other? Do you double them up together? How do you how do you treat that for your easy runs? Yeah, I do a lot of stroller running. Um, it's all just kind of dependent on the childcare situation. So uh, Athens goes to preschool, um, but Rome is home with me. And then I have a babysitter that comes usually two mornings a week. So those are the days that I do workouts or longer sessions. Um, and then I either run before Dylan goes to work or I push the stroller on the other days. Um, and so it just depends um, on the days that I have both. Um, the double stroller is pretty fatiguing. I think about the longest I've done with a double is about eight miles. Um, it feels kind of anything over six. And I start to be like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty well exhausted <laughs> from this. Um, they handle it really well. Um, both my kids are great in the stroller. Both of them like going in the stroller. Um, Athens will actually cry if I don't take him to school in the stroller. Like if I drive him to school, that's like very upsetting and ruins his day. Um, he prefers me to run him the one mile to school. And then I run home with the empty stroller. Um, or if I have both I'll run the double to school run home switch into the single and then continue so 
Yes. Stroller running is a big part of my life. Um, I think my longest I've done with the little one is 11 and a half. Nice. What a, what a way to, what a way to show up for school. You got kids rolling up in school buses or the minivans or, or SUVs. And, you know, he's, he's rolling up with mom, you know, taking him in the stroller and he's going to, he's not going to be happy if you don't do it. So there's extra miles for the week. And I know, um, these days, you know, I've been reading a lot about, you know, your husband coaching you now and not running as much as you used to, you know, having to make changes and how you change, how you approach your training and schedule. I'm just fascinated to get into all that because, um, you know, for the run chats, audience at home, I'm going to just read off some of Neely's creds because it's kind of insane for everybody. So four-time high school state champ, eight-time NCAA Division II champ, top American at Boston in 2016, 11th American female to break 70 minutes and a half, four-time Olympic trials qualifier in 2012, 16, 20, and 24, and just came off setting her marathon PR running 230 at CIM, where she was ninth place overall. So how's that for a list of accomplishments, man? That's pretty amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely been exciting. And it's really fun to have kind of been able to experience running in so many different ways over these, you know, very many changes that I've had um, over the last couple of years um, with, you know, adding two kids to our family. So it's been really cool and special to kind of go through all those different, um, you know, ways that running has been a part of my life because it is like kind of just part of my daily routine. Um, but, but it's so neat how it can meet you kind of where you're at um, amidst those phases and, it's just when when you're ready to to put in that commitment and um, to take it to you know a, a fit level, um, it just it came together and it came together better than I expected it to. Um, so you know, running that PR was kind of like, man, this is everything I had hoped, and it's rare when everything you hope happens on race day. Yeah. And for somebody at your level to say that it rarely comes together, you know, with your history and your background of being so successful, that just shows you, you know, what a great day it was for you. Um, because, you know, you exceeded expectations, which is not easy to do um, when you've accomplished as much as you have as a runner. And even if you're feeling fit coming in, um, it's really rare to have a day like that. But um I want to save like the race and have you talk me through the whole thing. Like, you know, when you got on property, you know, what the early parts of the race was like, what the experience was like, but just first be fun to just give a little background for people who maybe aren't following you yet, who we certainly know will be after listening to this episode, like where you grew up, what sports life was like as a kid, just like a little intro on yourself. Yeah, sure. So I'm 32 right now. I was born in 1990. Um, I was actually conceived in Boulder, Colorado, but then I was born in Pennsylvania. So I'm kind of half Colorado native in my opinion. Um, and so I, uh, I was born into a running family. Um, my dad was actually running the Boston marathon the day I was born. And, uh, you know, from that point on, it was just, running's always been just a part of what my family does. And so I didn't really know any better, I guess. <laughs> and, it, you know, growing up, my dad was still training professionally and we would spend summers in Boulder. 
until I was seven when he retired. And then he got the head coaching job at Shippensburg University. We were in um, Pennsylvania full-time at that point. And in eighth grade, I started running. He coached me all through high school. And then I ended up going to Shippensburg for college. So he was my coach there. That's where I met my husband. Um, And we started dating the summer after my freshman year. Um, So we are um, coming up on our 10-year wedding anniversary um, at the end of the month, which is exciting. Um, And I, uh, after college, joined the Hansons. And I competed with them for three years before we decided to move to Colorado. Um, And I had done some summer training stints in Colorado during college. And my husband, who when we were just dating at that time, we were like, someday we're going to move to Colorado and we're going to raise our kids here because we want them to think that this place is just like, you know, normal. Like this is just like what people do is you run to school and you're hiking and you're outside. And, you know, it's just, we really loved the culture out here. And so it's kind of like we're living our dream. Yeah, that is, that is beautiful. And, uh, what a neat experience with your dad. Um, we talked a little bit before we came on about, uh, me remembering him very much. So, um, as a runner, when I first got involved myself, you know, 30 years ago in the sport, and, you know, how he used to wrap at a lot of the larger marathons and then sometimes would just out, outright win them, you know, if, if the field wasn't having their best day and he was having a good day. Because I guess uh, contractually, maybe they're supposed to take the field out to at least a certain pace and a certain uh, distance. But if they're a, they want to continue to keep going, they can. And that's obviously um, something that he was able to do, which was super neat. But uh, how was it uh, working with him as a coach, being your dad? I coached my son in baseball and all his travel teams, so I know firsthand what it was like for me. But I'm sure if you asked my son, he would have a very different opinion of what it was like. So what, what was it like for the two of you? Because you worked from eighth grade all the way up through college. That's a That's a pretty long time. Yeah, you know, his experience may be a little bit different than mine. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I felt like it worked really well. It was also I didn't know any different. Um, so, you know, I never really did sports prior to running. Um, I was like into horseback riding and community theater and singing and stuff. Um, and so, you know, when I switched and decided like, hey, I want to start running, you know, the first thing I did was went to my dad and I was like, hi. I want to start running coach me. Like I want to get better. Um, and I think I had run like 22 minutes for, uh, a Turkey trot, <laughs> um, at that point. And I'd watched Foot Locker, um, the, the high school national championship at the time. And I was like, I want to go, like, I want to do this. And my dad's like, well, it's kind of like the Olympics for high school. Like it's the best in the country. It takes work. And I was like, okay, I'm happy to work. Tell me what to do. Um, and so it wasn't long and I was down to running, you know, in the 17s for 5k. Um, and you know, I saw that success quickly and I trusted him, you know, (laughs) undoubtedly after that, because what he was having me do worked. Um, but he always said for me, it was, you, he had to work to hold me back. Um, I'm someone that's like, if I have a goal and I'm, you know, all in, like I will make it happen, but I can sometimes get too zealous. So for, for a lot of our coaching, um, I think it was more him being like, 
trying to rein me in a little bit um, and being like, Hey, you know, like we don't have to go all in right off the bat. Like let's kind of work our way in. And um, you know, it, I was very successful. And uh, I think that towards the end of college, I wasn't listening as well as I probably should have. Um, and that kind of resulted in some injuries and, Ultimately, I ended up missing the 2012 Olympic trials um, because I had a stress fracture uh, in my foot. So, you know, that kind of bit me (laughs) at the end of uh, my collegiate uh, career. Um, But, you know, on the whole, I think it was awesome. And it's, you know, we still talk and text and um, communicate, you know, regarding running. And I feel like he still has acted as a mentor for me in the sport. And, actually, this is cool. Um, my parents came in for Thanksgiving and my brother, um, is in college at Pepperdine. So Colorado was kind of like more of a midway point than everyone going back to the East coast or whatnot. And we weren't going to travel because of CIM being the week later. So my parents and my brother were here and they, my dad and my brother did my last long run with me before CIM. So it was really special. But my dad did all 15 at 730 pace at altitude and crushed it. That is totally awesome. A total family affair. It's a family business. It's like the Godfather. It's running. I mean, (laughs) your dad was running the Boston Marathon the day you were born. I mean, it's totally the family business. 15 at altitude, 730 pace, still crushing it. Um, Do you guys run mags? I mean, I'm sure you run everything. I mean, you have access to anything and everything. Where do you, where do you like to do your long runs? What's, what's a favorite place for you out there? Well, one of my favorites is I really like Rollinsville. So Mags is kind of that like, you know, super famous running with the Buffaloes, um, long runs, but it actually kind of sucks. Like the traffic is kind of annoying. People don't really like you up there. Like the cars, the people live up there for a reason. Um, like they don't want to be around people. So, um, it's not a place that I would ever feel safe, like running by myself, given like dogs and, you know, wild animals and like odd people. So, um, I would say mags is not my favorite. There is a huge benefit and fitness gain that can come from running mags. Absolutely. Um, but you also have to be really careful and make sure you allow for enough recovery on the other end. Cause you're at like 8,600 feet. Um, and it's just very, very rolling. And so it's, you know, pretty exhausting. Um, no matter how fit you are, it's hard. Um, but Rollinsville is kind of a little bit more chill. It's a dead end street. So Everyone up there is up there for recreational purposes. It's hiking, fishing, you know, mountain biking, running, et cetera. So people are really a lot nicer on the road. Um, And it's an eight mile climb. So you climb for eight miles and then you turn around and you run down. So um, it's, it's a really nice run. It's really pretty. There's like a Creek and, you know, you're running towards like, all the white capped mountains and stuff. So that's one of my favorites. And then I really like the Highline Canal, which is in Denver. Um, but I think it's like over 50 miles. Um, and it's like a crushed gravel path that just kind of winds, um, through fields. And, uh, 
it's one that I like to go when I'm like trying to crank a pretty good, hard, long run. So, um, my longest run I've ever done was there at 23 miles. Um, and I think I ran like 640 pace or something. So that was, that was in 2020. Um, and then the next week I found out I was pregnant with Rome. So, um, that ended, that was the final hurrah of that training cycle. (laughs) Um, but, um, yes. So those are probably my two, but honestly, I don't really get to go many places during, um, like the week, especially, uh, because I'm running from the house, um, due to, you know, kid stuff. Um, and then on the weekends, even then, like if I'm doing a long run, by the time I drive an hour to Magnolia road and run, you know, and then drive home, like I'm gone half the day. Um, and it's not like whenever we didn't have kids and Dylan would go with me and like, we would make a day of it. Um, so I just feel too guilty to do those sort of things right now. So I honestly, I run from my house most of the time. Um, but we live on, a, uh, a cross gravel path that goes seven miles one way and all the way to Boulder on the, like the other way. So pretty much I can run however long I would possibly need from my own house, which is very convenient for, (laughs) for me and for this uh, phase of life that I'm in. Yeah. You can't beat that. Are you near Chautauqua at all? Uh, we're about nine miles um, from Chautauqua, eight or nine miles from that area that's South Boulder. Um, my husband works in Denver. Um, he's a financial advisor. And so, uh, we are closer to Boulder, but we're kind of in between in the suburbs between the Boulder Denver area, um, because, uh, of him having to commute there. Got it. So your brother, um, you have siblings, right? Mm-hmm. And were they athletic also? Did they play sports? Yeah. So my brother currently runs on the team at Pepperdine, um, which is kind of another small world running thing. So I started coaching Lauren Flores um, two years ago. And then while I was coaching her, um, my brother was being recruited at Pepperdine. Well, then their coach got fired and they hired Lauren. So now I coach Lauren who coaches my brother. So it's kind of fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. You can't make, you can't make it up, right? I know. That's super cool. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty special. And then both my sisters, so my sisters are 29, they're twins. Um, and they each have two kids also, um, and they both run and lift and exercise, um, but they don't really compete. Uh, but I think it's, it's always so funny because they're like, oh yeah, you know, like I like to jog or whatever. And then I'll like be with them and we'll go on like a six mile run at, you know, seven thirty pace or something. And I'm like, yeah, you like to jog. Huh? <laughs> they don't really understand that um, that's not normal for most people. <laughs> Yeah, I have a feeling your your family, uh, like if Monopoly is being played or any other games, it's going to be like ultra competitive at at the family household. I don't think anybody's going to be slacking off or chilling at any event at your house for sure. Oh, totally. I remember as a kid, um, so we didn't have a TV um, or computers growing up. So um, in the evenings, we would play board games. That was kind of like the entertainment. And so 
um, being the oldest, like my mom would take my sisters and put them to bed and my dad and I would play like junior monopoly or, you know, different games. Um, and he was so competitive and I remember like crying because he, I never won. Like, you know, I, I was eight years old or something. Um, and my mom was just like, Steve, come on. Like she is eight or <laughs> like, you need to calm down. And he's like, well, she has to learn. He like, couldn't, he couldn't <laughs> not win. <laughs> even though he was just like crushing the soul of his daughter. So oh, you, you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. I think I have a, a little bit in common with your dad for sure. I mean, there's no way I was letting my son beat me at anything. And I will never forget when he beat me in his first race, a five mile race. He didn't start running to high school because I think his mom was a terrific runner. I was serious about running and, you know, like I coached all his travel baseball. I think he just avoided it because he felt like we both ran so much and raced so much and we're always doing this. Like, let me stay out of this fray. And then, you know, wanted to run in high school. So, uh, got involved and I'll never forget the first time he beat me in a five mile race. I mean, he was ahead of me, but I, you know, he was like, you know, 10 feet in front of me the whole race. And I was just thinking, all right, we're getting down to like four miles. I haven't passed him yet. And then we, we turned the last corner, like a half mile to go. And he just like gunned it. And I was just like, whoa, he totally <laughs> crushed me on the home stretch. But I was like, so proud of him, man. He earned that, man. He totally earned that. That's awesome. Yeah. Very but, special. But yeah, video video games, board games. Like, no way, man. Absolutely not. Chess, <laughs> anything. No way, man. I wasn't raised that way either, man. You had to, you if you're going to win something, you had to earn it, man. That's That's the deal. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. So running, obviously, we have so many things we could talk about, but we got to really focus on CIM because, look, it's it's where you're at right now. Um, and then we're going to talk about a bunch of other things, your book, your coaching practice, you know, getting coached by your husband, you know, where you're at with kids, life, all that kind of good stuff. But I want to talk about the race um, in your buildup. Um, and I just, I think I just saw your post today, or maybe I, maybe it wasn't from today. Maybe it was from a few days ago, but I just saw the post today. You literally put all of your training there, your weeks, your mileage, your key workouts, you put it all out there, which I absolutely loved. Um, and you could tell by the comments, so did everybody else, because so many of us, um, at the elite level, I'm not at the elite level, but people hold back. Um, you know, others are putting it all out on Strava, so it's all visible anyway. But there's a certain group of runners that literally hold their cards close to the vest. And I understand if you're a pro and you're competing, you know, as a pro elite man or elite woman, or maybe even a master's pro and you're r running for prize money or sponsorship opportunities, there is some of that. Let's hold our uh, cards close to the vest. But I just thought that was super cool. So talk talk me through and talk us through you know what your buildup was like and also was this your first cycle working with your husband with you two working together or, he, or he had started coaching you like sometime further back yeah so we've been off and on in that relationship um, <laughs> <laughs> not, we, the, not the marriage everybody the marriage is the marriage. good this is coaching, coaching yes yes we don't want to scare anybody <laughs> so yes um I uh, would say that he started working with me um, when I left the Hansons and we moved to Michigan or from Michigan here to Colorado. Um, so it's been, you know, that was in 2015. So it's been a while. Um, in 2017, I got hurt um, and we kind of put a stop to training. That's when I got pregnant with Athens 
And from that point on, um, he was like, you know, I don't really want to coach you anymore. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I'm pregnant, so it doesn't matter. I don't want you to coach me either. Um, but then on the other side of it, it was like, okay, well now what? Like, you don't want to coach me. I don't want to join a team here because I have a baby and I don't really have like the ability to be on someone else's schedule. Um, and so I actually reached out to Terrence Mahone because he was an Adidas coach and I was still sponsored by Adidas. Um, and he'd had success, you know, working with, um, you know, Dina Castor and Amy Hastings and, you know, the slew of like the mammoth people in the past. And so, um, I worked with him for about six months and my body was just not in the position to be back to hard training at that point. Um, so I was like, Hey, look, it's been awesome. I really have a lot of respect for you. I wish this would have worked out, but like, I need to just chill. I ended up, um, you know, needing to just kind of go back to my listening to my body and just doing like my own thing. Um, so I took off a couple months. I just ran and I was like, at this point, I just want to be able to run without pain. Like, I just want to be able to run and like go out the door for five miles and not be stressed that I'm not going to be able to finish the run. Um, and Athens was like one at the time. And so that whole fall of 2019 was just like, I ran with some neighbors. I pushed the stroller. I had fun. Um, and running was just kind of like, all right, this is something that I enjoy doing, but I no longer have it as my identity. This is not my like, you know, who is Neely? Neely is a runner. I was like, nope. Neely is a mom. Neely is a coach. Neely is a lot of other things. Neely likes to run. Um, but I no longer was like, I'm an elite runner. Um, and at that point I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to race again. Like it's just been, you know, roadblock after roadblock. Um, and so I got through like, I guess the first week of November and, uh, Dylan was running CIM that year. And so I was like, um, I'm going to sign up and run the relay at CIM with a friend because I knew someone who was going. Um, and so we, I was like, okay, cool. The relay will be fine. It's not even split in half. So like the time means nothing because it's like 12 something to 13 something like, you know, who knows which leg I was going to do whatever. So I did the, I did the relay and I ended up getting a little competitive shocker. Um, <laughs> and I averaged 608 pace for the relay. And I had been running like five miles a few days a week, like did no workouts, nothing. Um, and then I go and ran a half marathon at 608 pace or whatever. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm going to set some goals again because <laughs> I actually <laughs> missed this. And so at that point in uh, the first week of December, I decided I was going to run Houston um, 2020 and try and qualify for the trials. And I was like, I just have to run twice as far as I did at that same pace, or maybe, you know, two seconds slower a mile and it'll be fine. Um, so I thought it was possible. I thought it was a little bit of a stretch. I ended up going to Houston. I ran 244 and I qualified for the trials and checked that huge goal off. And that was kind of that moment where I was like, all right, 
Neely is still a runner. Neely is still a competitive runner and we're going to get back to it. Um, and so that was kind of my whole goal for 2020 was like, okay, I'm just going to rebuild. I'm going to take as long as it takes to rebuild um, and not rush or force anything. And that's when I was able to kind of talk Dylan back into uh, coaching me again. So um, I guess I, I proved something that he decided he would work with me. And um, it's definitely gone more smoothly since. Um, and this buildup was no exception. But I think I've gotten a little bit easier to work with because I'm less of a um, head case when it comes to like, this is what was on the schedule. And I will die before I don't do what is on the schedule. Um, and now I'm like, oh, it was on the schedule. Or I don't even remember it was on the schedule. I don't know. I messed up the workout, but I still got something good in. Like <laughs> I'm just way more relaxed, um, which I think has actually been really helpful for me. Oh my gosh, this, that's a breakthrough moment. Um, because when you've been so ultra competitive for so long and so results oriented, and then if you have that style personality, the kind who's going to run around in the parking lot to round off and get to the mileage number, or the goal number, or how many miles that run is, to reverse engineer that is not easy. It's not easy to like step back from that. Um, and you know, you had to win him back as your coach, which is kind of kind of fun. Um, and you were out of the game for who knows, not not very long. Um, and all of a sudden you realize, hey man, I could still do this. I can just go to Houston and run 244 and qualify. And of course, now the standards were lowered to 237, which is a huge drop, but not from what you'd run in the past. But you know, this is, these are big, big changes. And, you know, so you have all of this stuff like kind of going on and, you know, what a, what a profound change for you because with being a mom with a second at home and being a one-year-old, okay, not, you know, that one's eight and one's five or something, and they could start to take care of themselves a little bit more, you know, that's a good change for you to be having that outlook versus no, <laughs> I didn't do this workout. I'm moving into tomorrow or I'm going to do doubles tomorrow or whatever, because, you know, that's just going to, you're probably going to be frustrated a lot, right? And not be feeling fulfilled and probably like letting go of that probably removed a lot of stress too, in a way. Maybe you didn't even know that you were carrying, right? Totally. Yeah. I feel like um, it, it definitely provided a lot more freedom for me. Um, and I feel like my, you know, my mental health when it's come to like the mindset of um, training and competing again has just been so much better um, because the perspective is there. Um, my perspective is just in like a much better place. Um, it's not me being like, you know, early in my career, um, I remember, you know, counting like, okay, I have to be at least top five so that I can make this amount of money so that I can cover like these expenses that are coming up, you know? Um, so it's very nice to have the financial freedom, um, of racing where it's just like, you know what, if I could make enough money to kind of cover travel for races, that'd be great. That's, that's all I could really ask for right now. Um, Adidas did send me, some gear and some shoes this fall, which was really nice um, and very helpful. And, you know, not to make light of my fitness or where I'm at at all. Um, but whenever the time standards came out and I saw, okay, I have to run under 237, um, you know, my PR was 234 from uh, before I had kids and I ran that at New York. So on a harder course. Um, but 
it also was all pre super shoes era. So this was my first marathon in super shoes. And I ran in the um, Adidas Ada Zero Pro. And, you know, that was also <laughs> something that helped immensely whenever I saw that standard come out. Um, because I was like, okay, I, I won, you know, I'm not going to run a hard course like New York. Um, but two, I also am going to have the benefit of the carbon plates. And um, I really do feel like not only, you know, does it help in the race itself, but it also really allowed me to stay healthy in training um, because I always struggled uh, and would get kind of feet and tendon issues um, racing in minimal flats. Yeah, that's those are great things um, that you put in there, like from the mindset perspective, because, you know, as you're approaching this and it's dropped uh, seven minutes, what the qualifier was, and although, as you said, you know, so perfectly with New York running the 234, didn't have the super shoes, way tougher course. Everyone knows New York is the toughest course, uh, at least of the majors anyway. Um, so, you know, you had those thoughts in your head, but a lot of times we look at things the other way, like, oh, I'm never going to be able to do this. Or, you know, now I have two kids and, um, you know, so for all the moms out there, it's crazy inspiring because, you know, they're thinking like, holy crap, 234 is her PR. She goes out to CIM and rolls a 230. Um, it's impressive. Um, and yes, the shoes help. I think they help for a lot of reasons. They help us recover. They help our bodies stay healthier for sure. Adidas, that's a great shoe. I got to tell you, I have access to everything. I run in Pumas and Nikes and I wear all the different carbon shoes. I'll tell you that continental tire rubber bottom is crazy, man. When it's icy rain around here and obviously you have much colder um, conditions there where you live. But here, when it gets really cold and the, and the roads get that icy kind of coating over it, those those uh, bottoms, man, they grip the roads like a champ. Um, and they're just, they're terrific. I, I love the shoe. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say that because um, I ran the Indy half as part of my buildup into CIM and it was pouring rain and 30 mile an hour winds. And, um, you know, everything I had heard was, you know, we don't really get rain that often in Colorado. So I hadn't actually run in the rain, you know, in them. Um, and everything I had heard was like, oh my gosh, super shoes are really like sketch in the rain. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh. And so I ran 555 for my first mile of the indie half. Um, because I was so scared that I was gonna fall. Um, because I heard that they were slippy and then I was like, they're not slipping, like I'm fine. And then I ran like, you know. 530 pace and closed in a 520 or whatever. Um, and <laughs> Dylan almost fired me at that point because he was like, why did you go out so slow? And this is actually a really funny story. He might not like me sharing this, but it's <laughs> fine. Um, so it was our first trip ever since having kids that we went solo and my in-laws stayed with the kids. Um, and so race morning, you know, we're there and I like wake up early and I pump and then we head out and, um, I say goodbye to him. I go, I do all my warm up. I'm at the start line, everything. He's like, he told me to be at mile two, mile five, and then the finish or something. So, um, I don't see him at mile two. Like, I don't know, maybe he like got lost. 
Um, I see him at mile five and he had like rented one of those little city scooters and he was like scootering. Um, and I like waved and smiled. Like I laughed because I was like, really a city scooter? Like, okay. Um, was it like too hard to walk a like block or two? I don't know. Um, so anyways, I finished the race and I like can't find him. I'm like, where are you? Like your one job was to be at the finish line. Um, and it turns out that when I, um, missed him at mile two, it's because the lead pack went by and, um, he was like, waited and waited and waited and was like, I don't see her. And because I went out so slow, I like wasn't there yet. And so he left, he like totally missed me because he thought that he had actually missed me. Um, and then at mile five, he was like, they're like 90 seconds in front of you and you're smiling. Like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I was smiling because of you and the scooter. And he's like, it looks like you were just jogging out there. I was like, what? Are we just running marathon pace today? And I was like, no, I was not running marathon pace. You need to trust that I know what I'm doing out there. And he's like, well, I just went into the closest pub and got a drink. And I was like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I was so mad at him. Oh, this is this is the best story ever because it's not just it's not just coach it's husband wife coach which th- these are always the best stories man you know when you get the husband wife coaching dynamics who knows what the hell could happen at any moment yep. this is this is right up there man he went to the pub you gotta love it and then and then he's looking for the ultra competitive Neely where did she go and you're just like hey man. Leave me alone. Yep. I got this thing. Yep. I got to make sure like, I didn't I know crash. What doing. He's <laughs> like, well, you ran the end goal time that we were hoping for, but like you really didn't execute in the first mile. It was like, I was going to fall. I was scared that I was going to ruin my whole rest of my season because I was going to fall in these slippy shoes. And guess what? They weren't slippy. So it was fine, but <laughs> better be cautious. So anyways, yeah, it was a side story. It was pretty funny. So anyways, I had to have this talk about like, what I need from him as a coach and what my expectations are for CIM so that when he was there, he would do what I wanted. And then he was like, do you want me on course for CIM? I was like, no, I do not want you on course for CIM. That is very distracting. It was very annoying that you didn't get to me the first time. Then the second time you were like mad at me. Um, and I was like, and you have the kids. So I don't want to see the kids on the course because that's going to distract me. And, you know, knock my focus. So they were waiting for me at the finish and it was everything I hoped and he did a good job. So I guess I won't fire him either. <laughs> you're, you're both still working together, which is, which is good. We, we want that. That's, that's what we want. We want the partnership to continue for sure. But Hey, all kidding aside, funny joke, funny story. Thank you so much for sharing. But, um, the same thing, you're a coach, you have to have these conversations sometimes. And it can be a hard conversation even with an age group athlete who's trying to qualify for Boston maybe, or maybe they're not even trying to qualify. Maybe they just want to prove to themselves they could finish a marathon or get to a certain number of miles and get physically stronger or they're trying to overcome some demons in their past. So if you don't set clear expectations between the runner and the coach or the runner and the coach and the runner, you know, in both directions, then one side's, you know, most likely going to be unhappy. Um, so yeah. 
Um, it's great that you iron that out because who knows, um, you know, what would have happened when you ran at CIM and, and, you know, the, the fact that you ran in a shit show in Indy, I mean, that was the worst conditions, man. It was brutal, man. The wind was crazy. The rain was crazy. I wasn't there. I just follow Instagram. I read all the race reports and I know how many, you know, men and women I know that were looking to run super fast times there. And, you know, I don't think anybody really hit what they were hoping for. Some may have come a little closer than others, but, um, I think those kind of races really, uh, they steal us, man. They make you stronger. And you said you don't really run in rain that much. So it has, it's got to toughen you up, man. It's got to make you feel like, Hey man, I'm a badass. I closed fast. I finished strong. Forget what the hell my husband is saying about me, man. He's like on a scooter and he's in a bar drinking, man. I took care of my business and these shoes are awesome. So you yeah, might- no, that's totally how I felt. And, you know, for me, I was in the, in the unique position that it was my first elite race in over five years. So I just need to check a box, like personally, I just need to be able to get out there and compete um, and finish strong and realize that I belong, you know, back in those elite fields and, you know, execute a time that I haven't seen in, you know, years. Um, you know, I ran two altitude half marathons, but, you know, it, until you actually hit the time, the, the, you know, conversions don't really count. So, um, I was really pleased and it was everything I needed it to be. But actually, if we're fast forwarding to CIM, um, you know, the day before CIM, it was a downpour. It was a torrential downpour. And it looked like it was going to be a pretty similar day (laughs) to Indy um, for the race. And for me, one, I knew I had a bit of a buffer for the trials qualifier um, in terms of fitness. Um, And so I wasn't as concerned about, you know, the time. Um, But it was very reassuring that like, look, I ran just fine at Indy. And if those are the same conditions here, I'm going to be just fine too. Um, so, you know, it did actually help, uh, but we ended up getting blessed with lovely weather and it was perfect on race morning. Yeah. Yeah. I followed that closely too. Cause I had a ton of friends who were out there and so many shakeouts and everybody's posting everything. And you see all the groups, the men, the women, the different club teams and people who have podcasts like me, everybody's out there and I missed it. Um, it's such a fun race and just, uh, especially when it's the USATF, you know, championship as it was. And, you know, so coming into the race, the weather's good. You get out there. Um, did you have, were you running for a goal? Did you have a time like mindset in your head or were you like trying to stay with a certain pack of runners or did you just literally say, Hey man, I'm going to run on feel and just see how it goes. Like, what was your, what was your actual plan? Yeah. So, um, Dylan for the win here. So, um, we, it was his birthday on Saturday. Um, so we went out to dinner, um, at he, I was like, you pick where you want to go. Um, you know, it's your birthday. So we went out to this restaurant that he had found that happened to be at the mall. Um, so we went out to dinner, had that, um, you know, did his birthday thing. And then we went and saw Santa, um, at the mall for the kids and rode the carousel, which was fun. And then the kids were pooped and we got home and they both slept really well, which is like never happens when you're traveling. So I was very fortunate. So the kids gave me that gift. Um, and Rome woke up at like 3am, um, and nurse and then fell back to sleep. So that was like, great because then I didn't have to pump or anything like that. Um, and so I woke up at, you know, four, um, and, 
Dylan and I had 40 minutes together um, to drink coffee and just like kind of prep for the race itself. And, you know, it's funny that I used to, you know, take days and days to like really get dialed in and focused and do all these like little, you know, things that helped me be, know I was ready to go. Um, and now I'm like, I don't want to think about it until 40 minutes before, you know, <laughs> like I will, I'll put in, um, you know, a solid half an hour of mental energy before the race, but that's about it. Um, so anyways, the thing that he said was like, I don't want you to go out there and limit yourself. He's like, I want you to feel out the pace from the beginning and lock into it. And whatever that pace ends up being, trust that that's where you're supposed to be. And I was like, okay, sounds good. And he's like, honestly, I think you would do better if you just didn't even look at your watch. And I was like, okay, well, I don't want to be like, way too off at the beginning. He's like, okay, okay. Like, you know, but just pay attention to that and like flip your screen, um, to like heart rate or something. I was like, all right, sounds good. So, um, I, you know, took the bus out. I sat with a friend who I've actually done a decent amount of training with here. She lives 15 minutes down the road. Um, so we sat on the bus together and, um, you know, we did a warm up jog together. I actually had, um, several athletes that I was coaching who I saw, um, you know, before the start as well. And anyways, the gun went off and I settled in and I ran 537 for the first mile. And I was like, okay, well, I knew that the first mile was downhill and all the stuff. And I had like listened to, um, a podcast with the race director and like his recommendation for how to run the course and different things. So I knew that the first mile was always fast. The second mile was slow. And then you kind of like even out from there. So I was like, okay, okay, it's fine. It's fine. Um, then it was like five fifty two or something for the second mile. And I was like, Oh, it's such a big difference, but it'll be fine. And then I was like, you know what? I am overthinking this split thing. And I didn't like look at my watch one time, the rest of the race. Um, and I heard Meg, I was kind of running near Megan Christian. Um, and I heard her say she was going for 229. And I was like, okay, like that's a good guide to kind of know where she's going to be at. And then around 10K, I locked in um, behind a group of guys and they were all talking and they were trying to run 229. And I was like, man, like this is a lot of steps ahead from where I was expecting to be right now but I'm going to trust that this is like what I'm meant to do. And so, um, one of my mantras was, I just kept repeating, like, this is where you're meant to be. This is where you're meant to be. Like, this is the the right place. And so I just locked in and it felt smooth. And it was just like mile after mile clicked off. And, um, the, the guy, Eric, who I was running with, um, he, uh, and I were sharing bottles cause I had bottles and he was saying that the, the noon on course wasn't sitting well. So I was like, well, I have scratched my bottles and I doubled like all of my bottles. So my goal was only to get in half of each one. Um, and I was like, you can just have whatever is left. So I was like handing in my bottles after I finished and, um, we ran together through 22 and, uh, at that point he opened it up and he ended up running 229. So it was really cool. Um, and we connected on Instagram afterwards and, uh, I was just like, it was, I was just like, so, um, 
so happy that I had that conversation with Dylan and I didn't put those limitations on myself. Um, because, you know, I initially was like, I'm going to run five fifties and then I'll work into the five forties and then I'll see from there how I feel or whatever. It was just like, Nope, I'm just going to run and listen to my body and see what happens on the day. And I'm, I have a, a little bit of work to do for those final four miles. I was definitely starting to struggle a little bit um, at the end, but I think that's just, you know, consistency um, and strength over time that I just haven't had for, you know, five years. <laughs> Love it. That's a great recap. And it's such a cool uh, change for you to be 40 minutes and, and literally know that that's when you wanted to know. You didn't want to know any sooner. You didn't want to know. You went out to dinner for Hubs' birthday, you know, take Dylan out. Uh, the kids cooperated. All that stuff went about as smoothly as you could expect. Because I was thinking once you told me you're nursing your son, you just stay up anyway because I figured you're probably going to be up at four and it was three already. But, you know, whatever, man, it worked, you know. And then you're with a, somebody you've trained with to share that bus ride. You know, that's the stuff that, you know, people don't ever think about. Like you're on the bus to New York, you're on the bus to Boston, the Hopkinton. Like, you know, you can be around people who are just, you know, they don't mean to be. They're just asking 400 questions or somebody's talking really loud and you're half awake and you just want to just like meditate or zone out. But if you're with a close friend, someone who you're so comfortable with, you can just be in that spot with them and help you relax. And then you had some of your athletes. So these are all great things to just like take your mind off what was coming. And, you know, the advice is great, you know, just trust it. And, you know, the watches will be the death of us all, particularly, you know, at courses like Boston, where it is so rolling and it can be so fast early. And so is CIM. Yes, the second mile is uphill, as you said, but it's so, um, there's a lot of, you can carry a lot of speed there. And the same with Boston. And you do have to have a sense of that. And as many marathons as you run and as much experience as you have, it's great advice. Um, and, you know, and then you, at that point, you know, if you can hook up with a group at any level, whether you're trying to run a sub 230 or you're trying to run a sub 330 or a sub 430, it really doesn't matter how many hours are there with the numbers or a flat under sub three, like find a group. And I don't even mean a pace group, find, find two people to run behind, find three people to hook up with. Um, even sharing bottles because there's something about those connections when we're out there. Um, you're sharing the you're sharing the load. You're even sharing your bottle. So like there's something about it. It makes it more relaxing, and it takes a little bit of that. Uh, I don't want to say pressure because you know I don't know if that's really the right word, but there is stress. There is pressure. It, maybe not as much as before when you were being sponsored earlier by maybe more brands and more companies and you felt like you had to hit those top goals and earn the prize money and the things that you talked about earlier but still we all face it and you know in this way you connected you know the miles are rolling down and hell man if you don't struggle for the last four like you got to be like <laughs> su superwoman superman somebody i mean everybody struggles somewhere i mean my god it's a marathon man it's it wouldn't be right if you didn't struggle somewhere right it is true um, for sure. And yeah, I will say I do feel there's something so helpful about running with someone um, because I felt like it allowed me to just stay really present um, and like focused on like the moment and the mile I was in um, versus like overthinking the amount of distance that was left or anything like that. Um, and so 
And I will also say aerobically, I felt great. Like I had a lot more aerobically there. Like I was not breathing hard or anything. Like my heart rate was not overly high. Um, I just need to build up the strength um, and speed in my legs to be able to handle like a fast pace for that length. Um, And so that's, you know, little details that will all kind of come together. Um, But like I said, I mean, it went, you know, I remember when I first started this segment of training, um, you know, in July, I was like, okay, you know, my goal is just the qualifier. Um, but I don't want to like cut it super close and make it stressful. I wanted to be like, you know, 235 so that I'm like good and in the clear. Um, and then kind of partway through, I was like, ah, I mean, maybe I can go for a PR. Like, why not? Why not maybe make that a goal? And then kind of like towards the end, I was like, okay, if I don't get the qualifier, I'm going to be disappointed. Um, like there's no reason I shouldn't. I was like, I feel very confident that I could run a PR. And I was like, I think the question is more how close to 2.30 can I get? And that was kind of my thought going into the race. Um, but even then, I was still kind of expecting like a 2.31 to 2.32. Um, so to have that like 2.30.29 was definitely like, oh, wow, this is awesome. But then of course there was that tiny little flicker in the back of my brain that was like, but it was only like 1.1 seconds per mile to break 230. Like, why couldn't you come up with that? You know? So of course that's where my mind went. Um, but no, I'm like super celebrating it. Um, and really pleased. And I know that, you know, sub 230 is definitely in the cards for the future. That's awesome. Yeah. And thank you for uh, sharing all that detail. I think one of the things that people don't do enough of is we all work hard in these cycles. You're a coach also as a runner. So Dylan's coaching you. You're coaching all your runners. We work so damn hard to get to a goal. You know, again, whether it's to BQ or to run a sub three or whatever the hell the time is, however, whatever your big objective is. And then when we actually do something, we spend almost no time at all celebrating it. Yeah, maybe at post race, you know, taking a bunch of fun selfies and then maybe going out and having a burger or pizza, whatever your favorite food might be, um, and having some drinks. And then it's seemingly like it's erased or we find some way to minimize our accomplishment. Like, well, the weather was great. You're talking about having super shoes. Like we find ways, well, the field was fast. All the other women were running fast. Like instead of saying, damn, Neely, you crushed it, man. You had a great race. Like, holy shit. That's the way our brains work. So we find some other thing to grab onto, which I'm totally down with you figuring out that it's 1.1 seconds to be sub 230 because hell, I would have been there too. Um, and I never ran, I never ran any sub 230, sub 240, yes, but nowhere near close to 230, which is absurd. Um, completely crazy, but, um, I'm glad you celebrated it. I'm glad you like enjoyed it and savored it. And hopefully Dylan did too. I hope he was like totally stoked. Was he like super surprised, happy, pumped? Like what was his reaction to, to your race? No, he was very excited. He was really pleased. Um, very happy with it. And, you know, he's seen the the good, the bad and the ugly that has come, um, with everything, over all these years and, you know, kind of how I have, um, you know, totally readjusted my mindset when it's come to racing and, 
you know, he was really proud of how I've managed, um, you know, all the hats that I'm wearing right now and, you know, how I was able to, you know, two weeks before CIM, we all got a stomach bug and I, you know, totally did not have the week that I had planned, um, you know, in terms of training. And I didn't, I didn't whine. I didn't complain. I didn't say anything about it. I was like, yep, I missed about 10 miles this week that I was intending. Um, you know, I pushed a workout back and that totally ended up working out fine. Um, but you know, I was just very flexible and I was like, this is where we're at. And like, I'm just starting my carb load early. Cause all I can eat is crackers and toast. Um, and it was fine. Um, and so for him, he's seen that versus like the complete, like, oh my gosh, this is the end of the world, you know, poor perspective that I've had, um, before. And so he was really happy with it. Um, I will say, I feel like he celebrated maybe more than I did that night. Um, which <laughs> kind of annoyed me, <laughs> but aside from that, um, you know, it was, it was very exciting and, um, you know, it was definitely a victory for us both. And, you know, it's really cool to see the dynamic that we have. Um, like I feel very much like he trusts me to make good decisions when I'm out there training. Um, and so, you know, we had multiple times, like I was like, Oh, you know, um, you know, he would give me a workout and I would go out and then like the place that I was intending to do that workout was covered in snow. So I totally had to like readjust on the fly and be like, okay, where should I go for this workout? What should I do? And he trusts me to make those decisions out there. Um, and he has also, um, you know, allowed me to be like, Hey, you know, what do you think you need this week? And then we'll kind of talk through and I'll be like, okay, I think I really need some sort of like turnover work. Cause I feel like my turnovers, you know, not great right now, or I felt a little flat or whatever. Um, so he's really allowed me to provide a lot of input. Um, and he kind of trusts that I'm listening to my body and know what I need. And then I give that feedback to him and then we come up with something. So, um, training wise, yeah, I feel like we've really dialed it in. And now the tricky part is, you know, you do this and now it's like, okay, where do you go? What's next? Um, and I don't know, I don't know what's next. <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I was waiting for the trials date, you know, to be released, to figure it out. Um, and you know, that was released recently. Um, and I just, I, it's so different than it was in the past whenever it was like, okay, I have to race at least nine times a year. And, you know, they need to be this level of quality race. And these are the expectations for each of them. Now it's kind of like, okay, I really need to just minimize like travel as much as possible with the kids until they're older. So I can probably travel to like maybe two races a season. Um, and then aside from that, I need to be doing like some local stuff. <laughs> so um, I'm really trying to figure it all out. Yeah. Well, look, it's a lot to process. And was it, was it extra special because the kiddos were there? I mean, you know, um, at the oh, rate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it's the USATF champs. You come in ninth place overall, you have a huge PR, um, but having them there, that had to be extra special, right? I mean, it was very important for me actually. Um, so, you know, we did the trip to Indy without the kids. Um, it was 36 hours or something, 33 hours door to door. It was like, we left, on Friday, we got in, went straight to the tech meeting. 
um, got my bib number, had dinner, went to bed, woke up, raced, went to the airport, um, and came home. So I will say I was honestly pretty stressed, um, that weekend. It wasn't a lot of fun for me to leave the kids. Um, I knew they were in good hands with the in-laws and the kids themselves were fine. Rome struggled a little bit because of the whole breastfeeding thing. Um, but for Dylan and I, um, I don't know. It, it was just, it was like, we're used to the level of chaos that is our family. And it just felt kind of empty um, and like lonely without them. Um, and we were just sitting there like watching crap TV and we we're like, this is like really unfulfilling <laughs> and like kind of sucks. So um, for me, I was like, I no, I don't only want them to be at CIM so that they can experience it, but I also need them there because I will be more stressed and like my performance will suffer because I'm not going to be in my normal, like, you know, busy, distracted state of life. Um, so for me, it was really important that they were there. Um, and you know, getting to do Santa and like, you know, have fun with them the night before, like, that's what I need. I don't need to be sitting there stressing about what's, you know, happening. Um, and then I like to switch gears and I put on, you know, that race hat. And then it was like, as soon as the race was over, you know, I was, I wanted to see my kids and I wanted to be with Dylan and, um, you know, we went back, I nursed Rome. We packed up um, the Airbnb. I took a quick shower and then we headed back for awards, you know? And it was like, I, I'm very, I carried my one-year-old, you know, <laughs> those four blocks each way. And um, like, it was, it was just, it's important for me that they all, they're involved in a part of it. And similar with like the stroller running, like, you know, yeah. Is it best for me in my training? Probably not. Like I had to go to the chiropractor multiple times because it was like making my shoulders and neck so tight from pushing the stroller. <laughs> but I really enjoy that time that I get with them. And, you know, it's special for me. And like, I hope they remember it too. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so happy I asked that because, um, your environment, you know, when you're going to be the most at ease or most happy or most fulfilled, even though you are riding that roller coaster of all of these things that are getting thrown at you, but that's what you're used to. That's your normal um, living experience. It's what you're used to the most. So, you know, then all of a sudden you're an indie and everything doesn't feel right. And it's not right from what the two of you are used to, either yourself or Dylan. So, um, and even though you have the in-laws and God bless our in-laws and the people who can take care of our kids when they're that age, but it's still not the same, particularly when you're breastfeeding. So, um, I'm, I, it's awesome that they were there and, you know, you had to go back for the award ceremony and, you know, it's a big deal, you know, your top 10, your ninth overall and incredibly crazy fast times. I mean, um, unbelievably fast times, you know, in the top 10 for women. Um, in the race. And, you know, so they got to experience it, whether they remember any of it or not, you know, your four-year-old, you, you got a way better shot with him for sure. But, um, you know, this is the family business, man. Come on. Your dad is running Boston when you were born. So, you know, all of this, all this stuff they're being brought in, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be out there with you before you know it. And, uh, and, and with Dylan also, all of you. Um, and that's, uh, that's just super cool. And a, a great lesson to learn for you, like as you plan some more races um, and and less is more based on what you said and less travel just because of the stress involved with it. But you don't need to run nine races a year anymore. Some of that might have been sponsor 
um, expectations, you know, run Falmouth, run this, run that, you know, all the major road races that um, people tend to run, which are awesome to run and fun. But it's a whole different ball game when you got to pack up the whole caravan and you got to get lodging and flights and or drive long distances, all of it. So it sounds like the two of you are on the same page and you got your training redialed and you'll figure it out. You'll you'll get some races on the calendar for this year because trials aren't until next February. So there's still, you know, quite a bit of time. I mean, do you think you'll do another marathon between now and then or no? I don't think so. I think that I have the fueling. The biggest question for me was the fueling because um, I've never gotten it right in a marathon. And I was, I totally nailed my fueling this time around. I did Martin Gels. Um, and I did scratch and those two things worked great for me. I felt like I had the energy I needed, um, and my stomach didn't get upset. So I'm going to stick with that. Um, and I, I don't think that I'm going to do a marathon, um, between now and the trials. I think that the biggest thing I need to work on, um, cause like I mentioned, I felt like my um, aerobic system is <laughs> very strong. Um, but my, my turnover and my speed is where my focus needs to go. Um, and so I really need to try and work down to running another sub 70 half. Um, and that I think needs to be my focus for the spring. Um, and, or, you know, something equivalent <laughs> to that, um, depending on what races I can find that work with the schedule. So, um, I think that's kind of my plan. I'm kind of waiting to see what the U.S. championship races are for the next year, too, because um, I'd like to jump into a couple of those and have those be kind of my travel races. Um, and then the Boulder Boulder is a big one, a 10K here in May. Um, and I love that race. And so I'm hoping to make it on Team USA again um, for, I guess, the third time um, to run for um, – Team USA, I've run it, you know, as a citizen, I was second last year, um, but they run the pro field and the um, rest of the race separately. So uh, I, I'd like to do that. I'm actually going to run the Disney Princess weekend. Um, we're going down to Orlando. Um, so that's just like my, that's my next race um, in February. And that'll be something kind of fun to kick off the season. Um, and I'm going to um, be repping uh, Honey Stinger there, um, who has been one of my sponsors um, for like seven years. So I'm really excited um, for that opportunity and um, for, you know, being able to uh, do some PR stuff for them um, since they've helped me and supported me so much over these years. So um, that's exciting. And then I actually kind of have this idea about running um, and trying to break the world record for the stroller mile. Um, and so I've been kind of looking into it and like looking up the details to how that would work exactly. Um, but that's something that kind of really excites me. And I feel like is very authentic for me because I do a lot of miles <laughs> with the stroller. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, so far what I've got and <laughs> we'll see from there. Love it. Love it. So, um, with your running history and all the accolades and accomplishments, um, drive and, and, uh, competitiveness and fire are certainly out of, at a very high level and run very high in you. Like, where do you think that 
fire burns from? Where do you think it comes from? Yeah, I love that because um, back whenever I was doing that, you know, Hail Mary attempt at the 2020 Olympic trials at Houston with my seven week buildup, um, I actually got a necklace and it was a little flame. And it was something about like, you know, if there's something that lights your heart on fire, don't let go of that goal. And it was like this whole little like, and it was so cute. And I was like, yes, this is so perfect. Um, and so I do, I feel like that was kind of my moment that was like, I, I still have this fire burning brightly, um, when it comes to my goals with running and, you know, I'm actually okay, not running PRs. I just want to be back out there racing because that is fun to me and training is fun to me and having the goal of qualifying for the Olympic trials, um, is really cool to me. And so the fact that I was, you know, I just checked off the fourth, um, Olympic trials qualifier, um, you know, that has been like a huge motivating goal for me. And that has lit a fire. Um, but on the other side of having kids now, um, you know, I don't really have like, I'm not in a rush, but I also don't have a, a limit. Um, I don't have like a, okay, you know, by the time I'm 35, I have to stop so that I can quick have a kid, um, because I don't want to be too old before, you know, and risk more complications than I already could or whatnot. Like we're done in that phase. We've moved on from, you know, raise, growing our family and now we're raising them. And, uh, as they get older, um, as I'm experiencing with Athens, you know, in preschool, um, my world starts to open up again and I have more time to be able to do those things that I want to do. And, you know, everyone's going to approach this differently. Um, and that's okay. Um, but for me, I really, I wanted to have kids to be an engaged and involved parent. Um, and so, you know, I wanted Rome to be home with me. Um, I wanted them to be around. Um, and he starts school next year. So we have, you know, kind of both kids that were are going to be having more childcare and I'll be having more time to train. And so, um, you know, I'm excited about that, but I also don't want to, um, you know, I'm not trying to go all in for these trials. Um, I, I want to see what I can do. Um, and I want to put myself in like a good position to be competitive. Um, but I'm not like, okay, this is it for me. Um, I see this as just like one of the many things ahead. It's great perspective. Um, I'm sure you didn't line up at CIM saying, oh, I have to come top 10 or this race is going to be a failure. I mean, 40 minutes before the race, you hadn't even talked about your race plan and you just went with, you were going to trust the pace and just go with it. And, you know, obviously your fitness was there. You don't just have a, some magic moment or all of a sudden you run 230. You built up to that fitness level. You got there. You got strong enough to run that time on that day. But we can screw things up pretty easily, mentally, very easily, in fact, even when we are really fit by worrying too much, panicking, putting the brakes on. So I love that Dylan had said that, just trust it and just go with it, whatever it was. And, you know, you could have said, hey, man, I, I'm out too hot here early. Let me just back off. And then, you know, maybe you run 233, 234, which still would have been amazing, but it would not have been 230. So, you know, trust the process. You know, when we were uh, exchanging some notes about mantras, 
Um, I know that's a big one for you, right? Yeah, that's that's definitely been a big one. I feel like that kind of materialized after I had Athens um, and, you know, tried to rush back into fitness there um, and realized that <laughs> nothing good comes from rushing or forcing fitness. Um, and so I feel like trust the process has been one that's just, you know, kind of gone with me and transcended through all these different phases of life that I've had. Um, and, and, you know, right now it's kind of continuing um, because... You know, for me, I I just want to see what I can do with what I can do um, in the preparation for it. Uh, and that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. And uh, it's exciting. And that's fun. And, uh, you know, it's uh, something that, you know, I feel very um, excited about day to day. And I also have a lot of other things that are going really well for me day to day. And so there's not just like, okay, well, if running flops, like I have nothing, um, I have so much. Um, and so I don't get like overly concerned or stressed about if I have like one bad run or a bad workout or, you know, skip a long run or something. Cause it's like, Oh, well just do it next week. It's fine. Love it. How about darkest hole you've dug out of and how? <laughs> Yeah, that one's a little tricky. Um, so, you know, I kind of talked about that whole like struggle with coming back um, from my pregnancy with Athens. And I, um, you know, I wasn't able to run during my pregnancy. Um, and then I, um, you know, was kind of going from like elite runner to like totally haven't run for six months. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to be a new mom. And there was, there was just a lot. Um, so I would say, uh, you know, following all of that, then I got a, um, stress fracture in my femoral neck. And so I like, couldn't even like do anything like getting laying in bed hurt. <laughs> like I couldn't, I wasn't supposed to walk. I was supposed to be on crutches. I was like, how as a mom do I do crutches. I'm carrying around my baby. Like this just doesn't work. So, um, it was, it was pretty challenging, but at that point it was like, you know, that's where I was able to shift that perspective into, okay, running for me. Like I realized that if I had the choice to like go to the Olympics, and, but then never run again or run every day, but never compete, I would to totally choose the run every day. Um, because for me, like it's just part of my routine. Like I'm a much better mom. I'm a much better wife. I'm a much better coach. If I can get out the door and do my run and have it a time for me each morning. Um, and so when I'm able to kind of check that off for myself, then I'm a much better person than a person I like <laughs> as a result. So, um, that's, you know, definitely my focus. And I feel like during the pandemic, it shifted to like, this is the only time, like, I have to myself be, um, because I Dylan's working from home, Athens is home. Um, I'm just we're just surviving day to day, um, and you know this is when I can get out and I can kind of forget about how hard everything else is. This is my time out of the house because I wasn't driving anywhere, we weren't doing anything, um, and so it was definitely my like mental health um, that uh, you know I needed that run um, for you know, my sanity. And then, you know, shifting into my pregnancy with Rome, um, I ran every day of my pregnancy. I ran the morning I went into labor with him. Um, and so it was just totally different than my pregnancy with Athens. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, 
And I think in part it was because I was just like, I don't care what pace I'm running. Like if I'm running 10 minute miles versus my normal seven thirties or whatever, it's fine. Um, where with Athens, I was like, if I am running nine minute pace, like why even bother? Why am I doing this? You know? So I really had to change my perspective. Um, and then I also would just be like, Hey, I'm going to start off. I'm going to do one mile. I'll see how I feel. Maybe I'll keep going. Maybe I'll walk home. I don't know. But like, as long as I did a mile, then I would kind of assess and see like, okay, what do I feel from here? Um, And so I think that having that really hard time um, where I was really trying to figure out like, do I even want to run anymore? I don't know. Um, And like that identity crisis situation really helped me on the other side, (laughs) Um, have a much healthier perspective with how, you know, I value uh, running and that part of my life. Great. Last couple, um, since you are a coach yourself, how has that informed your own running? Like what important lessons, what key lessons have you learned from other runners that you're coaching from those experiences? Yeah. So like, for example, um, you know, there's a part of me that's like, I really want to break 2.30 and it'd be really cool to go back to Boston or be really cool to do, you know, a spring marathon this year. Um, and, you know, it seems like now with the shoes, people are able to do more marathons than like, you know, they used to be able to do before because you can recover and the like less pounding on your body and all the stuff. So there's totally that like, well, why don't I just like reach out to Boston and see if they'll like, you know, give me any, you know, kind of incentive to come. Um, but the turnaround is really tight from CIM and I don't like rushing buildups and then it'd be like really awkward timing because I would like finish in April, but then like, it's hard to fit in another training cycle before the trials training cycle would begin. And it's just not ideal. Um, and so, you know, this is a, a great time to be a coach because I'm like, okay, that's a dumb idea. And perspective wise, you need to look at, you know, what actually makes sense. Um, and what do you really need? What are your weaknesses? What do you need to strengthen? Um, and so, you know, I've been able to kind of talk myself through all of that. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, the other thing is like, I coach a lot of female runners and a lot of my runners have kids. And so it's really cool because we're in a lot of the same phase of life, um, which is why they want me as their coach. Um, but it's also very inspiring to me because, you know, I'll, I'll talk with, um, with my runners and it's like, okay, you know, I run on the treadmill at 4am every day. Cause that's my option. Um, you know, and I'm like, oh man, and I'm compl- complaining about running at five 30. Like I need to get my act together or whatever. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's definitely really nice. Um, and it goes, uh, kind of both ways with the inspiration, um, when I'm working with my athletes for sure. Um, and they were all so encouraging and inspired and excited about my race. Um, which really felt good because, um, you know, I've lived vicariously through my runners for the last five years. <laughs> so it's nice to be back to racing with them. That's great. Those are some wonderful experiences. And it, it's wonderful that it's going both ways too. Um, because yeah, our perspective, when we see some of the things other people are able to do, are capable of doing, because it's their only option, it really does open your eyes sometimes and go like, wow. I can work harder or I I can make some more sacrifices or I can figure this out. So those are wonderful examples. Um, How about community service? Um, Something that's important. I I try to end every show 
Um, most importantly, just to get other runners that I'm talking to across the screen to think about things that they've either done in the past that they enjoyed doing and they maybe want to get back to doing or maybe something they're thinking about doing at some other um, moment in their life when they have more time because certainly you do not have a lot of free openings in your calendar. So what's something like near and dear to you that you think about or have done or would like to do in the future? Yeah, well, in college, um, I used to uh, volunteer in the daycare um, because I've always really liked kids. So um, at the church daycare that I went to, I would watch kids for one service and then I'd attend the next service or vice versa. Um, And that was something I always did on Sundays. And then when I went out to Michigan and I was there for three years, um, I did the same thing because I was trying to like integrate into the community and meet people and stuff. Um, And I've always enjoyed babies. And so um, that was really fun for me. Um, And that was something that I felt like gave me a a nice sense of purpose outside of running. Um, And it was like, you know, pretty chill. I'm just like in the nursery holding babies um, after my long run or whatever is kind of good recovery. Um, So I used to do that. Um, I've done some uh, work with Girls on the Run. Um, which is uh, a really awesome organization that I hope I can be a part of um, again in the future. Um, I've been guest speaker and talked to a lot of high school and middle school camps and cross country teams and stuff, um, which is like really fun and a nice way to like give back to the sport and something I'm passionate about because, you know, I started when I was in uh, eighth grade. And so it's, um, you know, really fun to talk to young athletes who are pursuing their goals. Um, so, uh, but you know, right now I haven't really been able to do a lot. Um, but with the little kids, as they get bigger, um, our neighborhood, uh, we have a Creek that runs behind our house and they do, um, like a spring cleanup, uh, around earth day every year. And so, um, my, and Dylan and I were talking about that and we were like, that's something that we really want to get the kids involved in as they get older is like, okay, we want to take care of nature. Um, and what better place to do it than the Creek in our backyard. So, um, that's something that, you know, I look forward to being able to do, um, and providing, you know, some, some lessons for them, um, as they get older too. Well done. Well done. And we didn't get a chance to mention your book, um, Breakthrough Woman's Running, Dream Big and Train Smart. So um, you, where you share your experience as an athlete and a coach, you know, to try to bring perspective and give women a roadmap um, for how to be successful. So um, how, how has that gone and how's it going so far? And that's that's super exciting. Thank you. Well, according to our Amazon reviews, it's been great. Um, we have uh, lots of five-star um, reviews on Amazon, which is awesome. And so, um, you know, I also just got a shipment in and I have autographed copies available for sale on my website. Um, so I would say, you know, the thing that I loved the most about the book is that each chapter is its own thing. So like, I really struggle picking up a book and reading it start to finish in like a timely fashion because reading makes me fall asleep. So what I like is that you can be like, I need to work on one, this one thing, whether it's mindset or fueling or goal setting or injury prevention or recovery. Um, you can go to that chapter. You can read just that chapter And it gives you all the information you need 
and you don't have to read it in order um, because we didn't write it in order. The chapters um, our editors put in like that order. We wrote each chapter individually. Um, and so I think that uh, is probably my favorite part of the book. Um, and it's also like full of color. Um, there's photographs. I have a whole strength training chapter with 20 different exercises to follow. Um, so I think that it's really, um, kind of engaging and fun. There's a lot of stories. Um, so it's not just like a textbook or like, you know, do this and you'll get this. Um, so anyways, I was really pleased with how it all came together and the feedback that we've received has been really positive also. Um, but for me, you know, talking about service, it's kind of like a way that I can outreach to more runners than just the ones that I get the opportunity to coach, um, on a, like in a one-on-one -on -one basis. So um, this is a chance for me to provide information and support to other female runners out there. And, you know, honestly, like there's four training plans in the book um, that could be applied to anyone. Um, and the, the only reason that it's really female specific is that we have a pregnancy and postpartum chapter, a female athlete hormone chapter, and we include stories from other uh, professional female runners in the sport, as well as females um, experts. Like we have a um, a psychologist, we have a dietitian, we have a sleep specialist, we have. Um, a uh, OBGYN, all who are female and contributed to the information in the book. So hopefully um, <laughs> that <laughs> kind of makes sense um, and uh, isn't too uh, salesy when it comes to trying to talk about it. No, you did a great job. And uh, we will, we can certainly link that up in the, uh, in the show notes and in the Instagram slash Facebook post. So anybody who's interested will have access directly to hit a link and just uh, go ahead and order. And um, I just want to say how much fun it's been chatting with you, man. It's so uh, it's so cool to uh, to learn uh, so many things about your incredibly inspiring running journey. It's amazing, and it's far from over. It's not done. There's more chapters to be written. So uh, I think you. Yeah, I thank you so much for coming on and sharing. And I always um, say this before we go. Um, is there any like last words you want to leave the audience with or a last message um, that you want to close out with? I think the biggest thing is, you know, embrace where you're at um, in your journey. Uh, and for me, you know, it's been quite a ride over these last, um, you know, five and a half years uh, since I you know, got pregnant with Athens and kind of started this path of being a, a mother runner. Um, and there's been highs and there's been lows. And, you know, obviously I seem really positive and upbeat about it all right now, but I'm not always. Um, and <laughs> I've definitely had some pretty down moments. Um, you know, I remember doing a podcast when Athens was little and I got asked a question. I literally just burst into tears, like sobbing, ugly tears. Um, and the guy like, didn't even know what to do. He was like, okay, moving on. <laughs> like, sorry. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of laughter, um, funny stories and smiles that, uh, went with this podcast. Um, 
And I think that, you know, I hope that it's in part due to my um, better perspective on things. But also, you know, if you're in a rough time um, right now, like, you know, it, it does get better. And it's all about just kind of figuring out, like, if something's not working, what do you need to change? Um, and if something is working, maybe don't change anything, um, and just keep doing what's working. Um, and I think those are two things that I have, you know, learned the hard way over the years. Love it. Great message and wonderful place to land it. Um, and again, I, I thank you so much for coming on and sharing your inspiring story or inspiring journey. And we tell all the runners to keep lacing them up, to keep getting out the door and always remember to stay in the fight. Wow, what a great episode to kick off the new year with big energy and inspo from Neely Gracie. Um, from the highest levels, you know, first American finisher in Boston in 2016 before having her two children and, you know, fighting through big challenges uh, that she had to overcome, a stress fracture, just not being able to return to that kind of mileage and intensity at first, and just kind of having to just completely reframe her relationship with running, how she thought of it, how she approached her training, and ultimately, pun intended, learning to give herself grace on missing a key workout maybe not hitting exact mileages or or just pushing a workout due to weather or conditions that might be going on out in Colorado where the weather can sometimes cause that to be an issue. Um, there's no question you can hear how much more relaxed she is about her own running and racing. The fact that she didn't sit down and go through her race plan until the morning before uh, the race and, and get into the starting line at CIM is certainly evidence of that. Um, I really enjoyed uh, how open Neely was about some of those struggles she faced as a new mom, you know, getting back into training, the uh, the transitional phase she had to go through, and just the mental side of it as well. Um, and certainly how coaching athletes um, kept her going there for a couple of years when her own running was kind of in a stagnant place. So um, this one just has a little bit of everything, and I just listen to it more, more times than normal before a show goes live. I think I've now heard this one three full times and uh, just uh, feeling all kinds of great energy and vibe from it, uh, from, from laughs and fun. Um, and again, absorbing the highs and lows and the, in the many changes that Neely's had to make as a runner, but super inspired, um, not only by her own running, but by her giving back coaching and her book, so it's got, like I said, a little bit of everything. I hope you all enjoy it as much as the two of us did in this convo. And if you do, and you're willing to take that extra step and hop on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and do a quick review or maybe share it in Instagram stories or on Strava or Facebook or anywhere a platform allows that to be, it really helps us get new people tuning into Run Chats and it certainly makes an impact in me trying to get great guests like Neely to come on and join us and share their inspiring running journey. So um, let's keep doing it, peeps. And I hope you all had a wonderful holiday season and are excited about 2023. And I look forward to seeing you all out there on the roads at some races. So keep lacing them up, keep getting out the door, and always remember to stay in the fight. Peace out, my friends. <laughs>